This morning, let's turn, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And if you were here last Sunday and you recall, uh, last Sunday I mentioned before the message uh, that the Lord had impressed upon me, not just uh, on that Sunday, but uh, for a few Sundays to speak on the subject of giving. And nothing makes a Baptist crowd more nervous than when the pastor announces that he is going to preach on giving. Uh, but uh, I just felt impressed on the Lord to do this, and uh, I certainly trust his timing, uh, because humanly speaking, I asked the question, why would you have me preach on giving? This is a giving church, and this is a sacrificial church, uh, but perhaps the Lord uh, wants to remind us of the blessing of giving. I'm certain he does. Or perhaps he wants us to give and do more. I'm certain he does of that as well. And perhaps there are some uh, who have yet to uh, give as they should, and I'm certain of that as well. But regardless, uh, we want to look at the subject this morning because it reveals more about us uh, than just the amount of money we have in our bank account. As we looked at last week, uh, before God gets anything else from us, he has to have our heart. And if God has our heart... He'll have everything about us. So the most important thing for you and I to be reminded of this morning, or the question for us to be able to answer is, does God have full surrender of my heart? And if he does not have that, that's the thing that you need to deal with this morning. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never put your faith and trust in his finished work on Calvary and dealt with the sins that uh, uh, you've committed and the future you have of paying for your own sins, I would encourage you, I would plead with you this morning, that's the first thing you need to do is get your salvation settled, get your eternity secure. And after that, uh, full surrender uh, to the Lord, and that certainly is an ongoing thing. Uh, but this morning, I want to begin reading in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, beginning with verse number 7. And we'll begin reading verse number 7, and we'll read down through verse number 15. Let's begin in verse number 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. It makes no sense to grow in all these areas and to ignore the area of giving. And as a Christian having a giving heart, verse number 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, <clears throat> he that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. So keep your Bible open to this passage this morning, but I want you to look once again at verse number 8, which will be our text verse. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. This morning, I want to speak on the test of sincerity. 
the test of sincerity. Father, help us today as we look into your word. Father, I know that heaven will reflect the giving of this church. First, the giving of ourselves, the giving of our strength, the giving of our time, the giving of our abilities, the giving of our finances. And Father, there's no doubt there's a direct correlation between the gospel going to places that never would have had it if it weren't for the giving of God's people. There's no doubt a correlation between uh, others being able to continue forward serving you because of the graciousness of others. Father, there's also no doubt that we have been the recipients of the graciousness of others. And Father, I pray that you would do a work in the midst of your church today. Father, you know the end. You know the purpose of this message. You know what you want to accomplish. And Father, I pray that it would be done today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I have read these passages of Scripture, this this chapter and uh, the, the surrounding chapters, there are certain statements, there are certain phrases that jump off the page to me. One, uh, that the Spirit of God uh, grabbed a hold of my attention after I read it was our text in verse number 8. And to prove the sincerity of your love. It is easy to say, I love. It is easy to say and express, I have these feelings. But really, it comes to the, when it comes to the sincerity of our love, there's a proving of that. It is easy to say that I love the Lord, I love His work, but Paul writes and says that I am going to use and giving is used as a barometer, if you will, to show and test the sincerity of your love for the Lord. The love for the Lord, the love for Him, the love for co-laborers. That word, uh, sincerity, just to give you a simple definition to remind you this morning, is is honesty of means or our intention. Freedom from hypocrisy. Oh, we don't like hypocrites, do we? And oh, we don't like those that are hypocrites, and understandably so. They say one thing and they do another. They, say, they put restrictions on others and don't live up to them themselves. That's not very sincere. And often those that are get away from God or those uh, who uh, don't give themselves to the things of God or don't even entertain what God has for them would, would use the hypocrisy of God's people as an excuse. Now, friend, that's not going to hold up when you stand before God one day. But at the same time, you and I have a responsibility to not be a stumbling block because we say one thing and do, it, do another. We speak of the grace of God and we don't show any. We have a responsibility. We talk about God who owns all things, but yet we keep our hands in our pockets. We keep, we, we were selfish with what we have and not trying to help the work of God. But I find it interesting in this passage of Scripture, he speaks to the sincerity of your love. And this morning, I want to use the Bible to put you and I to a test, to test the sincerity of the love that we have, or we say we have, first for our God, for the cause of Christ, and for our fellow man. Paul continues to write in verse number 10. He says, herein I give my advice, uh, for this is expedient for you, but I Draw your attention back to verse number 8 very quickly. It says, I speak not by commandment. Now, this is something that I want you, want, want you to keep in mind. There are, there are things in the Bible that God commands. I believe that we are commanded to be a good steward 
to manage what God has given us. I believe that the Bible teaches that there's a tithe. I believe the Bible teaches that there's offerings. The Bible teaches that it is our responsibility to care for the work of the Lord. There are certain commands, and on the flip side, on the other side of those commands, or that which builds up those commands is the fact that God promises us that He will provide for us. God promises us that He will bless us. But there were some commandments when it comes to giving. But Paul writes, and he's speaking beyond what is commanded. He says in verse number 8, I speak not but by commandment. God did not send me here to say, thus saith the Lord, you better give out of that abundance. He's not speaking to that. He's not ordering them. It's not required. So let me this morning perhaps, let you maybe take your defenses down a little bit if you, if you have them up. Paul is not saying this is what you have to do. And quite frankly, there are a lot of Christians you're fulfilling that. You're not doing it. It's beyond that minimum, that requirement. He says, I speak not but command, but notice what he says in verse number 10. And herein I give my advice. And what is he saying? He's saying, but this is what I would do if I were you. And Paul speaks with authority. Paul speaks from experience. Paul speaks from time with the Lord. He says, in your situation, I'm not telling you you have to do this. But this is what I would do. And friend, if the Apostle Paul would say, this is what I would do, as he speaks to those, those uh, churches, I think it's something that you and I ought to listen to, we ought to pay close attention to. It's going to prove the sincerity of their love. He's not speaking by commandment, but he's giving his advice. It is a test. It's not speaking by commandment, but it's a test of sincerity. How sincere are you when it comes to the things of God? Let me give you an illustration. It'll be the first of many I give this morning. Don't we believe that we ought to send missionaries around the world? How, you believe that today? Don't you believe that it's God's will for the world to be reached with the gospel? I think if we took a poll this morning, I think it would be 100%. Everybody believes that somebody ought to have somebody tell them how to be saved. Well, let's test your sincerity. Are you giving to missions? Well, pastor, it's not required. I didn't ask if it was required. I'm just asking if we're really sincere about getting the gospel to the world. Pastor, I believe in the next generation. I believe in, in, in reaching families. I believe, okay, I believe that too. And I would say we all believe that. Pastor, this church has done so much for my family. In this church, I know people that if they got in this church, what it would do for them. When that offering plate is passed, it's a test of your sincerity. You say, well, well, why has it always got to be about money? I don't know. I'm asking you that. Paul's asking these churches that. It is a test of our sincerity. And we, we come to church, we expect it to be the only place that, that, uh, that, that we don't participate in, that we don't give anything back. I mean, you, you take, take Walmart, for example. Now you check out your own groceries. And then they make you provide the receipt, DNA exam, all those things, proving that you just bought your own groceries. Next time you go to Walmart, and I don't recommend that at all, but 
Next time you do, just walk out. Walk out. Say, Pastor, that's a silly illustration. Well, uh, perhaps so, but I wanna, want us to have our sincerity tested this morning. One day, you and I are going to stand before God, and the question is going to be asked and have to be answered, did we do all that we could do for the cause of Christ? I remind you, as he gives his advice, the perspective of which he gives it, he gives it with verse number 9 in mind. Ye have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. If you're saved this morning, if you trust Christ as your Savior, you have the riches of heaven. You have the riches of God's grace. You can't put a price tag on the grace of God. Not just the grace that we're granted with that forgiveness of our sins, but the grace that God provides for us as we get through challenges in life, we get through trials in life. You do realize there are many people in this world who do not experience the grace of God Their life ends much differently than yours and mine does. Sometimes we sit back and we say, oh, look what I got through. We don't give credit to the grace of God that provided the means for us to get through. But Paul speaks and says, keeping in mind that Jesus left heaven, gave everything so that you might have everything, When you had nothing, this is what I would do. This is my advice. He's not a command. He says it's expedient for you, meaning it's good for you. Maybe this preaching this morning makes you uncomfortable, but let me just echo the words of Paul. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for this church to take the focus off of ourselves and put it on the world that is white unto a harvest, put it on the needs of other people. And and yes, we are sympathetic and we sincere. We have a heart that says, hey, we want to get the gospel. We want to meet needs. We want to help our fellow man. And oh, we want to do something. But the test of sincerity is the reality that the giving is the test of that sincerity. This is based on verse number 9. Jesus gave it all so that we could have that example. When it comes to giving into the needs of others, let me give you a quick outline this morning with that as our foundation. The the fact that it is a test of our sincerity, of of our love. It is easy to say, and many of you, and, and you, could give, you could give an example of many who've been married for a long time, and, and, and you remember that time with that person you love, it told you the first time that they loved you, but there's been, a, there's been, there's been a proving ground, there's been a test of that, and, and, and for better, for worse, and richer, for poor, there's a testing of all of that, there's a proving of that sincerity, and Does it not make sense that God who loved us and gave his son and Jesus who left everything for there to be a test of our sincerity when we say, I love God, I'm committed to him, it just makes sense that God in heaven who provided all things would say, I'm going to put your sincerity to the test. I see, first of all, a willingness to give. As we test our sincerity, there must be a willingness to give. Let me read verses 11 and 12, and I will explain them to you. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, 
that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Very, very important. This gives further context. And this is what a critic would say, well, those money-grabbing preachers, and, and there are some, but they're not God-called men. But a Bible-following pastor will preach on these, this subject. And what he speaks of is a willingness to give. In verse number 12, for if there be first a willing mind, what God wants from all of us is us. A willingness to give it. That's the first and most response. First responsibility is a yielded heart. Is that willing mind? It's voluntary. He's saying, you know, there are things that are required. There are things that you should do, but there are some who are in. And next week, I plan on on preaching a message from this the same chapter of what to do when. How to give when times aren't good. But it all comes down to, does God have my heart? Does God have me? There's got to be a willingness. He says this is a voluntary thing to help somebody that's beyond what is right in front of you. But there must be a willing mind that comes from a yielded heart. You know, when a, a need is presented and you have a pastor that is just decided... That when God provides an opportunity and a need, I'm just going to put it before you. And God can work in each and every heart and use us together to to accomplish His will and to those goals. But if your first response is, let me figure out how not to do this, that's not a willing mind. I've got no problem with, well, here's, here's what we can do, and here's how we want to give, and all of us are giving to extra things, and this is our responsibility, and the Lord's impressed this upon us, and we're, this is what it would take to do it. I've got no problem with conversations, and I've had it like, like this, Pastor, I've, I've tried, and I've worked, and I've worked, and I've worked, and, and I've done everything I could, and I just don't think I can give to this. That's a willing mind. It come, a willing mind comes from a yielded heart. You know what it is? It's somebody who says, I want God to use me as a vessel. I want God to use me. I want to keep in perspective what God's done for me. A willing mind comes from a yielded heart. But notice what these two verses say. It's a willingness to give. It's according to our abilities. In verse number 11. The end of the verse, and there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. He's saying what you have. This is the way the average Christian acts when there's a need presented. There's a missionary we want to support. There's buildings we want to build. There's a, there's a, there's a program that we, 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 we need to put into place. There's, there's a missions endeavor. Well, I saw brother so-and-so pull up in a new car. We, we fuss as socialists, but we're socialists at heart. God take their money. Because they got things I don't have. But Paul says, there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. 
Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, so there may be a performance outside of that which ye have. In verse number 12, for if there be first a willing mind is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Paul is presenting some needs to God's people. And giving something that I don't think we as, we, we as preachers preach enough on, unless it's to pat our own pockets, but I think it's something that, that we ought to do, it's something that we ought to present, because what he's saying there, it's not, a, it's, well, why is Pastor putting this other need in this other missions project? Doesn't he know we, we, have, we have all these others? Well, there might be somebody that God specifically wants to use to meet that need. And so what Paul is saying, here's people who need help, it's about performing that which you have, not what somebody else has. It's out of your ability. It, we just got to be honest. Is this what I, God wants me to be a part of? Is this, is, what, is this what God wants me to have a part? It's a willingness to give. It's according to our ability. Number two, give what you can when you can. And give what you can while you can. Notice verse 13 and 14. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. I knew it. God was a socialist. It's not what that is saying. Let me explain it to you. A good way of summarizing is give what you can while you can. I recently had one of our members make an appointment with me and come see me. Over the last few years, circumstances have changed in their life, job change, what they're able to do. And this is a member who quietly and without others knowing has given a lot of money to this church through the years. God had blessed them, and they felt like that's what God wanted them to do. That was a way for them to help the cause of Christ. They couldn't do what others could do. They didn't have the abilities that others could have. But they felt in their heart that God blessed them to give very generously to the ministries of this church. But it's not their situation now. That's not where God has them now. And I had to talk to them for just a few moments about God used you in that capacity for that period of time, and you took advantage of that opportunity God gave you. And all the good and all the gospel that was given, all the souls that came to know Christ, those are rewards that are still waiting for you. Those are souls that are still going to heaven. God gave you a window, and you took advantage of it. Now, God's got you in another stage of life, and he doesn't want you to do what you did before. He's got other ways that you can serve him now that are equal to, in his mind, what you were able to do before. And you may, there's a special need, and you may be able to give just a fraction of what you used to give in the eyes of God that is just as big as you gave before. But the point I'm trying to make is, if you have that opportunity, take advantage of it. That's what he's speaking of. Give what you can when you can. And that word abundance, don't miss that word abundance. That word abundance, it says, it says there, by, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance, abundance means plenty, overflowing quantity. 
ample sufficiency. We live in a land of abundance compared to the rest of this world. And the abundance that we have, he's saying, you give what you can, when you can, out of your abundance. Now, I can't answer this for you. You have to answer this for yourself. But do you have abundance? And does God give you a window to give to the work of God? And I also illustrated this individual. You've got to understand something. Your value is not just in that with God. Your value is in the fact that Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sins. Now God has another way for you to serve that is equally important that this church needs at this point. You say, how can you say that? Because if God still needed that individual's money, he would keep giving it in the same way so they could, she could keep giving it. So that he could keep giving it. And if God still has a need over here, he doesn't need that. What he needs is your heart. And I'll use that illustration this morning. While this family could no longer do what they did over here, what does that mean? That means there's somebody else that God's opening a window of opportunity to be a blessing. But over here, he's got the heart. So there's something else that God wants to do. I'll further illustrate this. My father sits back there who was the pastor here for 32 years. He retired and I became the pastor. He and I have different strengths and weaknesses. We believe the same book. He and I have different personalities. He and I have have different likes and dislikes. You say, why would, if if he still has some health and if he still, why would it? Because there was other things that he could offer that God wanted to offer. There was things that he wanted me to offer at that time. But as you know, who've been here for 32 years, he gave everything he had. There was a window. And the same is true of you and I, and there's some. That's why I push our young people to serve and our young adults to serve. You don't know how long that window is. It's not just talking about giving of finances. It's talking about giving of ourselves, giving of our strength, giving of our opportunity. And if God closes an opportunity in this respect, that's God's business. That means there's another opportunity for you to serve, but it also means that God is going to take care of his people. He's going to open an opportunity for somebody else. Give what you can while you can. When you give out of your when we give out of our abundance, it keeps God's work moving forward. When our abundance changes, God enables the abundance of others to keep the work going. That's the way God does. And we ought to give, say, man, this is a, this, I heard this for years before we got to the place where we started building, moved to this property, the vision, some of these, many of the young couples, younger families, and I'll put from the 20s to 30s, even in the 40s, because I'm in the 40s and I'm still young. You hear the older generation, many of you who were here, and well, I remember the day when we had those building programs. And oh, we, we would go down every night for months and months and we would build all those buildings and we invested our blood, sweat, and, and tears and money and that's what we did, just building that building ourselves. I wish we could have, and we gave, and boy, those times when somebody said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and I'm going to give all this and they give, te- and give testimony of what God did. I wish we could have those days. Be careful what you ask for. Well, when God closes one, 
window, and the day's going to come when he's going to close the window that you and I look at. And the question is not going to be whether or not we had an opportunity to make an eternal difference through the subject of giving. It's whether or not we took advantage of the window God gave us. That's what he's speaking of. He's speaking of our abundance. Then let me get to number three, as we saw in verse number 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that there was a readiness to do will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. And then in, we said in verse number 13 and verse number 14, speaks of the other men being burdened, but by equality. It's not dependent on the wealthy, is what he's saying. You know, I, I, and I, I try not to bring, and I think I've been very guarded at bringing anything political into the pulpit because we need our needs met. But we could all agree on this no matter where you fall in the political spectrum. I, I'm just, these talking points I get tired of hearing, or we got to tax the wealthy, we got to tax the wealthy, we got to tax the wealthy, we got to tax the wealthy. Well, I don't know many people here that consider themselves wealthy, but we still getting taxed. And the rhetoric and the message is, they got more, so we're going to depend on them to take care of everything. That's never been God's plan. Because when we give out of a willing heart, there's a blessing that God is going to give us. Let me illustrate this very quickly, and I will quickly get through this message on giving and make everybody feel better. It's not dependent on the wealthy, but on all. I used to wonder, so why? I mean, you hear stories of these preachers in the past and big vision for God, and these millionaires would write a $10 million check to pay this and $10 million. I was like, man, we... And I look around, and I'm like, hmm. It's not over there. It's not over here. It's not over there. But you know what? What we do for the Lord, we all have a part in. Let me say this, and we'll move on. Don't underestimate your two mites. Those that deal with our fin the finances of this church, when I, whenever I do, we do a, a campaign or we look at raising money for something, the banks want to know the top ten givers. Not by name and not the amount. They just want to know because they're going to finance based off of I don't look at it that way. Because, see, I look at it, God used two mites because God had the widow's heart. Now, those of you that aren't good in math, I'm going to help you with something real quick. You may want to get a pen and paper out. You know, 10 people giving $10 is the same as one person giving 100 Did you know you didn't know you were going to get this good stuff this morning, did you? Ten people giving $100 is the same as one person giving $1,000. Do you know that ten people giving $1,000 is the same as some people, one person giving $10,000? I, I wish I could give $100. Maybe God will use your ten with nine other people's ten. And that will support that missionary on the mission field for a month. 
Pastor, you've got some big dreams and visions, and those are some pretty pictures that you have presented. I believe in my whole heart, we have everything we need amongst us. Pastor, do you mean if we passed the plate today, we'd get all of those, I'm going to say the number of millions of dollars that we need to? Now, I don't think so, but if you tell me we can, I'll pause and take the time to do it. No, but I know that if God has our heart, he will give us what we need when we need it. It's a shared burden. Don't think too much of yourself if you can write the large check because God don't need your money. God needs your heart. He needs you. But don't discount what you can do with what God has given you because Paul is saying... It's out of your abundance. Now I'm going to remind us and get right into number four. Read verse number 15. As it is written, he that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Number four is God is the provider of all. Your abundance is directly tied to what God has blessed you with. Now sometimes we, 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 we handicap ourselves because of our own bad mistakes and because of our own failures. I get all of that. But God has given us the abundance that he has for us. And God is in control of that. Say, I work hard and I work hard and I work hard. And I just, I can't, I, it's just all I can do to just keep my head above water. Well, that's the abundance that God, for whatever reason, has provided for you. It's all different, but we got to be reminded, God is the provider of all. Let me illustrate this. As you look at verse number 15, it says, as it is written, Paul is quoting scripture. What he's referring to is Exodus 16, 18, which is referencing the manna that God provided for all the people. Don't miss this. If you, you know the story how God is sending his people to the promised land and God is going to feed them. And what would he do he, every night when they would go to bed and in the morning, got that angel food, that, that manna from heaven. Now, you may not like this, but I've studied this out. It's, it's, the, it's the burritos and the chalupas, and God had all of that out there. Man, I'm hungry now. The man of the angel food God provided from heaven. He provided the exact amount. If God could number the hairs on the heads of every person on this planet... The billions of stars, if he not only spoke them into existence, he's named them. If he knows that and he does, if he knows the number of grains of sand, he knew exactly how much manna would be needed for his people every single day. God would put enough for everybody. But God also told them, you take a certain amount Nobody's to take us any more than that because I'm going to provide for you every day. You know, all of, and I never thought of it like this without, until this context. You know, not everybody in the children of Israel had the same health, were at the same age. We don't know of, you know, perhaps physical ailments. Some may not move as well as others. It was certainly true of this crowd this morning. It was certainly true on that day. Meaning some could gather what was needed a lot quicker than others could. 
Some could get it all. Matter of fact, if some wanted to get it and hoard it, they could get a lot more. And this is not a, this is not a spiritual illustration, but it's one that many of us would understand. It reminds me of, the, of, a, of an Easter egg hunt, and you've got a bunch of kids out there, and everybody's got their baskets ready to go, and there's kids everywhere. And then it says go, and then it's just a mad scramble, and there's the one just like, okay, how do I get? And when it's all said and done, everything's gone. Because everybody's just about getting their own and getting their own. Because I, 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 I'm not going to need all this today, but I might need some tomorrow. But God said, you don't need anything else tomorrow because I can provide for you. So he provided the exact amount. God was not promoting equality in the sense that I'm going to dump everything at your front door. But when somebody gathered and they went back to their home and their family and they measured it out in that measurement, that omer, and they measured it out and said, oh, we got too much. And if they kept it, it rotted. What God was promoting was a heart of benevolence. Well, they, they have a hard time. Let me go and help them get what they need. Paul is reminding them of this for what I believe the principle is it wasn't about who could collect all the manna. It's about the person who put all the manna there. And God is the provider of all the... I know those Baptist preachers, all they want is what I have. I don't want what you have. But God wants what God's given you because it's His. It comes from a willing heart. With this, with the, the, the manna he provided and with this reference to it, they were to consider this for a couple of reasons. I believe God was teaching the principle of provision. God provides for you. The government doesn't provide for you. Your employer doesn't provide for you. God you may use your employer to provide for you. But God provides for you. God is the provider. He was teaching that. But I also believe God was promoting the principle of benevolence. God's been good to us. God's been good to all of us. He was good. If you don't have two nickels to rub together, you can still give praise and glory to God because... Jesus left heaven to pay for your sins. To pay a price you could not pay. You may not have two nickels to rub together down here. But you've got a mansion in heaven to look forward to. You've got the provision of, you've made it this far down here. You know, God never promised us Anything other than he would meet our needs. Paul is writing and saying, well, I believe you're sincere, but this is going to be a test of your sincerity. There are other people, other churches, other Christians. I believe this is written in the context of the local church, but it 
is affecting outside of that individual local church to help others, to promote the cause of Christ. He goes on to write about Titus and these others who are the messengers, who are those who, who are the voice of God in meeting their needs and Paul having his needs met so the gospel can go forward. I, I love, aren't you thankful for what God has done for me? Aren't you thankful, family, for what God's done for us? Well, the test of your sincerity is, have you given to Him? Let me remind you what the Bible teaches about that. That comes from a heart. That is His. I'm just going to be truthful and straightforward, straight, very blunt and straightforward with you. Your sincerity is in question. We talk about how good God's been to you, and you've given nothing to God. When you tip God with his blessings, I remind all of us, God did not send Gabriel the archangel. First of all, Gabriel could not have fulfilled the obligation. But he sent the most precious thing, the precious one he could send, his own son. It's a heart. It's the test of our sincerity this morning. I want us to be reminded about the willingness. I want us to be reminded to say, well, I was just wondering why God has been so good to me during this time. And, and Pastor, don't you know that we're in a recession? We're going to talk about that next week. We have an economy that's recession-proof. Let me tell you an economy that's recession-proof. God's economy. Because you know what God can do? Many of you could testify to this. When, when companies are downsizing, why do certain people get raises? Because they're the CEO of the company. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us. What I'm saying is God is the provider of all things. And there's a work that God wants done. And he will use you and I to do it. Now, I know this is unusual for a Sunday morning. This is usually a, you know, in all of your, you don't do this on Sunday morning because you want people to come back. Here's a Wednesday night series. Here's a Sunday school series, perhaps. Friend, I don't want to rob you of the opportunity for God to bless you. We're going to go to invitation in just, just a moment. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, get that settled today. Does God have your heart? Does He have your heart? Have, he's, have you surrendered? Was I, I thought about the giving and these messages the Lord's put on my heart of having some perhaps would give, could give testimony of how when God gave them a little abundance, it was a little more than they needed, they gave it, and now their abundance is this big. When they give that abundance, God makes that abundance a little big. You see, you see is that, is, that's what God does. But I can also give you testimony of someone who had a little abundance, and they gave this much, that abundance to God. And God gave them back just that much more. This teaching that if you give, you're going to become a millionaire overnight, that's not in the Bible. But God can, God can give you back that same abundance. The widow who had the little amount of oil who gave it to God's, Elisha, her last meal, she gave that oil, and what did she have the next day? She had a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. God is the provider. 
So what happens if we, with, with the things that are going on in our world and, our, and the recession and all those kind of things, and we'll talk more about that next week. But God's above all that. God still wants his work to go on. There are still people that need to be reached with the gospel. And, and God is not counting on the government to do it. He wants to use his church and God's people. So this morning, if you need to trust Christ as your Savior, let me encourage you to do that. If you've been saved, never been scripturally baptized, that's the first step of obedience. Let me encourage you to do that. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to where you can serve and hope to make an impact in this world we live in. You can do that today. Most of all, I want you to search your heart. What has the Spirit of God spoken to you about? I hope this morning He's encouraging and reminding all of us our sacrifice is not in vain. Our giving is not in vain. Our, our, our following His leading is it's not in vain. He takes care of His people. Perhaps you've not got it settled, this matter of giving. One day, we're going to see in eternity what our giving did. It's not the amount. It's the heart and realizing that God is the giver of all things. So, maybe you're, you've been visiting church and say, I knew it was a matter of time before the pastor got around to what he really wanted. I want God's blessing on your life. I want to reach more people with the gospel. I'm going to take advantage of the window of opportunity that's before us. Because before you know it, that window will be closed. I'm going to take advantage of the window that God has given us to make an eternal difference for Him. This morning, would you allow God to work in your heart, to work in your life, to enable you to do more for Him, surrender your heart. Paul said, test the sincerity. I'm not commanding you to do this. But this is what I would do. May we follow the advice of one who certainly could speak and testify of God's provision and what God does with the generosity of God's people.